Welcome into College Gridiron, WFUV Sports College Football Podcast. I'm Ryan Gregware, joined by Tyler Hu. We also have Michael Calamari producing for us. Really appreciate him for taking the time at his busy day. You know, we're all busy. Midterms are wrapping up, but we do have to talk some college football, Tyler. Um, not the prettiest slate, you know, not the top-tier matchups you're looking for, but college football always finds a way to live up to the hype, even in a game that you're not expecting. There will be something crazy to happen. But before we get into all that, you know, just kind of wondering, big week, obviously, how are you doing today? Right, I'm great today. I'm happy to be here with you talking some college football and college gridiron. Man, it was an interesting slate last week. Some matchups that didn't really live up to the hype, but there were some big upsets that we got to talk about later. Yeah, so we'll get into one of those now. We'll also get into Coach O getting fired. Um, not necessarily a surprise if you follow college football pretty closely, but if you're more of a casual fan, you know, you just remember less than two years ago, he uh, led, obviously, LSU, I think, the best, most dominant team ever. We can get into that, we'll get into some other scores, and then, you know, as we get into this next week, there's not really a ton of beautiful matchups either, but there's an interesting top 10. There is some interesting shakeup over the last week that we'll get into, but we'll start. You kind of teed it up. Uh, the upset of the week, one that I don't think anybody saw coming, Purdue, now ranked top 25. They shocked Iowa. Iowa 24-7. to Iowa came into this game number two. Just last week, my co-host Danny Scott, he put his life, he guaranteed that Iowa would get into the playoffs. He said out of all the teams, Tyler, and I don't mean to rip on Danny because, you know, this is something we couldn't have seen coming. He said that he thought they were the most sure thing to make the playoff. Right now, they're 11. Um, You know, they completely kind of tripped over themselves here. They lost any chance to control their own destiny. So certainly not what you want to see if it's Iowa, one that we didn't see coming. But your thoughts overall on Iowa falling to Purdue? Well, first of all, I've always had I've watched a lot of Iowa football over the years as uh, I've known a couple of the guys on the team. First of all, Spencer Petras, starting quarterback of the Iowa Hawkeyes. Great guy. I've gotten the pleasure to interview him once for my podcast. Super nice guy. He laid a dud on uh, Saturday. He laid an absolute dud through four interceptions. And Petras may not be the most talented quarterback, but he all he needs to do is to get the job done, let the running running game eat, and let the defense force turnovers. Well, the defense forced zero turnovers, and well, Petras threw four picks and got sacked four times, barely complete, completed over 50% of his passes, and boy, was it ugly. It got out of hand after the second quarter for Iowa, and I've always had concerns about Iowa's offense. Relying Once their running game gets shut down, what can you do? They don't really have that many weapons. There's no George Kittle. There's no TJ Hawkinson. There's no Noah Fant of the past at tight end. What can you really do? And today, on this past Saturday, actually, this Iowa team got exposed badly. Yeah, the thing with Iowa all year is they don't have dynamic quarterback play. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I talked about. No, I didn't think they'd lose this game. I still thought they had a great shot at the playoff. But you don't have dynamic quarterback play. You can't win in college football in 2021. 100%. It's that simple. You look, uh, Spencer Patriots, first of all, you interviewing him, that's awesome. Uh, you told that you. to me before the show. I said you had to drop it. I do remember you interviewing a ton of Iowa players. I didn't remember it was him. But you can't let Purdue have the more better quarterback. And that's what they did. 375 passing yards for Aiden O'Connell. When that happens, when you don't have a run game, they rush for 2.5 yards a carry, you're going to get exposed. You talked about they led the nation going in. In turnovers, mm-hmm. you talked about they lost the turnover battle for nothing. Yep. You're not going to win many college football games when you do that. So not having the quarterback play uh, that's dynamic and then having no run game and then having you know your, the defense of Purdue step up the way they did. I think Purdue deserves a ton of credit here. I don't think this is all just ripping to Iowa. Purdue did a lot of things nice to control this game, only holding Iowa to seven points. I know, you know we're ripping on the offense here. They should score more than seven points absolutely every time. 
So you look at it from Iowa now, they dropped to 11. Um, you know, destiny is not really in their hands. It's a game you couldn't afford to lose. I guess this maybe just shows the depth of the Big Ten. It's You can get caught up in it, and that's what happened to them. Now, maybe it's a little unfair that they fall to 11. You look at Alabama, they only fell to 5. But I think when they uh, lost to an unranked Texas A&M, but I, I think you look back to two weeks ago now, Tyler, that Penn State win. I put in quotes win there because they got bailed out. Mm-hmm. If, if Clifford doesn't get hurt, I said it last week, I'll guarantee it 120% now. Penn State wins that football game. I think it was 17-3 to when he exited. Um, and then once the backup came in for Penn State, they could not move the ball. I think they got like three more first downs. That was a complete bailout. Iowa was so fortunate that that happened because now you look at it. If they lost that game and then this game, how good really is Iowa? I think that's the question now we need to turn to because they really were fortunate that Penn State did not have a backup quarterback and the quarterback hurt. So I think now you look at Iowa, a lot more fraud look than you looked after the Penn State win. Definitely. I think that, that Iowa game against Penn State, I, it, was a gr- it was a good game. Taquan Robertson, when he replaced Sean Clifford, did not play well. He looked like no. an amateur. He looked like a Juco quarterback. No offense to the Juco QBs out there. <laughs> but he wasn't very good. And that's a big difference right there. You saw a couple of injuries that happened to the Iowa secondary. Most notably, Riley Moss. Riley Moss is one of the best defensive backs in the nation. He's He had like, I think he had two pick sixes week one against Indiana. He's a turnover machine. The kid forces plays. He's a playmaker. Ball hawk, if I've ever seen one. He's the anti-Jamal Adams. But... <laughs> <laughs> he got hurt during the uh, during the Iowa Penn State game, and he is that back line of that defense that can bail you out when the defense gets burned deep, and he's not there. And then Aiden O'Connell got to tear up that Iowa secondary that is very very good. Granted, they're very good, but they got exposed. The only real saving grace for the Iowa Hawkeyes this week uh, is their streak of uh, twenty holding opponents to twenty five and under. Continues. They only held them <laughs> to 24. Yeah. Nice. Congratulations, Iowa Hawkeyes. You guys can continue that streak. Uh, I think that's the least of your problems. But <laughs> the Iowa Hawkeyes, yeah. yeah. No, th- a lot of big injuries, and it did not look good out there against Penn State, especially losing at home. And against, uh, excuse me, Purdue. Losing at home against Purdue. It didn't look good versus Penn State either. Didn't look I know good, you made exactly. an error there, but they did not look right. good in that three-point win. You can't emphasize that enough. Yeah. And it really, it just points to the quarterback getting hurt and Penn State not being able to move the offense. Yeah, it, it did not look good. I mean, this Iowa team has a lot of questions to ask themselves. Very well coached, led by Coach Kirk Ferentz, the veteran. He's been there for, like, what, 65 years now? <laughs> He's been there forever, since before we were born. But you know what? That team is just a couple steps away, a.k.a. a quarterback away. And you know, if you're a recruit coming to the like coming into Iowa right now, going to Iowa City, going to the, one of those big games, you would think, "Hey, I can win that starting quarterback job right away. I can be that next quarterback, take over Spencer Petras's job." Why wouldn't you want to go to a program like that with a great offensive line, a good running game to help you, and you get a quarter? If you step in, you could take that job right away. Because Petras, I'm sorry. You know, he's been struggling, and Iowa fans are not very happy with him. No, and, and there's no reason they should be, and it's unfortunate because this defense still, regardless of this loss, regardless of giving up 375 passing yards, this defense is top two, yes. top five. Easily. Like, at the worst, at the very worst, they are a top five defense in the country. So, you know, when you don't have the quarterback play, it's what I was concerned about all year. It's what... If JT Daniels doesn't come back for Georgia, I will be concerned about Georgia in a big right. game. Sets Bennett, not dynamic quarterback. He's not special. Play. And just to wrap up on Iowa here, you look at the rest of their schedule. 
Part of the reason we loved, and it wasn't just Danny, and I know I kind of, you know, ricochet shot. Like, I still loved Iowa to make the playoffs. Right. It's because you looked at that schedule after beating Penn State. There were no more roadblocks. You had Purdue at home. Obviously, we know that turned out. Then Wisconsin, Northwestern, Minnesota, Illinois, Nebraska. None of those teams ranked. None right. of them deserved to be ranked. So you had a real landing spot there if you were just able to get through the regular season. The Big Ten Championship game, you know, the other side of the West uh, of the Big Ten, excuse me, is a gauntlet. That's brutal. Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State. Those four teams are going to beat up on each other. We're two weeks out from a Michigan-Michigan State game, which I'm sure will dominate that show. But you looked at it, Iowa just needed to beat one of them. And probably Mm -hmm. Ohio State, just the way it works. And now... You know, now they really, I can't see a way that I can get in. I know that's kind of unfair because we talked about college football as a double elimination tournament. Once you have two, you're out. The way they lost this, it gives me vibes, and I know it's Purdue that did mm-hmm. it. We talked about this before the show. Right. Three years ago when they upset, I think it was also oh. number two, Ohio mm-hmm. State. I think it was in, was it in Ohio State? I th- it might have been, but it was a big Whatever, upset. that doesn't even matter. An okay. unranked Purdue beat I- Ohio State. They absolutely wiped the floor with them. Mm-hmm. This wasn't that much of a dominating loss for Iowa, but that knocked Ohio State out. That right, knocked right. any chance they had. So that's what we're looking for from Ohio State. And just to wrap up, I cannot see, Tyler, I don't know about you, a way that they can now get back into this playoff picture. Listen, if they were in the Big Ten West, I would see a way. There's no way in hell they make it back to the uh, college football playoff. Their best hope is to get to the college football, uh, the Big Ten championship game and get a big win. And maybe they can be one of the bubble teams, but I really don't see a way for them to get back. Yeah, so just a brutal loss for Iowa. There's no sugarcoating that. Uh, moving on here, you know, we'll we'll touch up on this one. We won't go as in depth. Oklahoma State. Uh, suddenly, they are the eighth ranked team in the country. They just beat now an unranked Texas going in was ranked 24. Texas 25, excuse me, 32 to 24 was that score. Um, Texas was actually favored, I believe, by three and a half in this game. So Vegas was showing you, despite. Oklahoma State being like 13 spots higher in the rankings. They believed that Texas was the better football team. They were wrong, though. Oklahoma State, and I said this last week when we kind of queued it up. I picked Texas, so hand up. I was wrong. They kind of just jumped out of nowhere. I I hadn't watched many of their games. They didn't really beat a ton of impressive teams. Now you look at them, eighth-ranked team in the country, 193 rushing yards for Jalen Warren. You know, this shows me a lot. It's two straight weeks, first of all, that Texas has got destroyed on the ground. You know, Brooks had a day for Oklahoma. But you look at it, Oklahoma State is now a legitimate school, a legitimate football program. I know they've been for a while, but this year now, number eight, we can get into this argument in a minute here about what they control their own destiny and all that. But I'm just wondering, Tyler, your thoughts on Oklahoma State. Do you buy this? Do you think this was just the classic Texas dropping the ball? Are you in on Oklahoma State? Well, first of all, yeah, you're right about the Texas dropping the ball thing. It's been back-to-back weeks. They do it every year. It's Texas. Texas is not back. I'm sorry. I'll take the shot here. But second of all, let's get to Oklahoma State real quick. Oklahoma State, I buy it. I fully buy it. I don't think they're, like, the best team in the nation. I think they're a good. They're a very good team. They could fight for the playoff. They control their own destiny. They can't go out there and lay an egg next week. They cannot pull an Iowa. They have to control their own destiny, get to that Oklahoma game, win, and they're in. I think they're into the playoff if they win that game. But if you want to look at this Oklahoma State team, they know how to win ugly. They are not a pretty, they're not a flashy football team. They don't pass the ball. Spencer Sanders is a solid but not spectacular quarterback. They've won three straight games against ranked opponents at the time. Kansas State beat Kansas State. They beat Baylor. Baylor's a good football team, by the way. Ranked 20th. Yep, they're a very good football team. And they beat Texas. They got Iowa State this week. They're they're <coughs> underdogs somehow. I mean, road underdogs. Iowa State's a solid football program. 
I think Oklahoma State goes in there and wins that game. They, as I said, they win ugly. They are the anti-Big 12. They play defense. They run the ball. And they don't have to rely on quarterback play and airing the ball out to win the game. Jalen Warren is a stud, first of all. Jalen Warren's been fantastic. The transfer from, I think, Utah State. Yeah, he's an unbelievable player. He's got 705 yards already through six games, six touchdowns. He had 193 yards on the ground this past weekend, and he was just dominating that Texas front. And Spencer Sanders didn't even play that well. He still had two touchdowns, one rushing, one passing, and threw a pick. But you know what stepped up at the end of the day? That Oklahoma State defense. They played a very, they played, they were struggling to contain B. John Robinson, as literally every single college football team would. B. John Robinson had three total touchdowns. But they forced turnovers when it mattered. Casey Thompson threw an inter- two interceptions on the day. That was the difference. This Oklahoma State defense is good. And they're a good team. Like, they would, they don't seem like a Big 12 team of the old. So mm-hmm. I really buy this team. I think they're a good team. I think they're a legit good yeah, team. Yeah, if you told me there would be a Big uh, 12 school with through six weeks, the most points they've put up is 32. I'd say they're 3-3, three and 4-2, three, and two, just that's the reality of right. the Big 12. They're undefeated still, but their most points 32. I know they've had a lot of games near that, but the defense is outstanding. You know, you ripped into Texas. They're not back. Mm-hmm. I love joking. I love the horns down. I really do. Right. But the one thing you can't say is their offense isn't good. Steve Sarkeesian is figuring that out. The right. defense is what is going to need to come later. But this is a team with Casey Thompson that was going in averaging 50 right. in his four or five games. We saw, even though they lost to Oklahoma, we saw them go toe-to-toe with Oklahoma. Right. Their offense at times looked significantly better. I think looking at it with Spencer Rattler, it was a lot better right. than uh, that Oklahoma offense. And then they only scored 24 this game. You mentioned Casey Thompson. His yeah. first real struggle of the year, two interceptions. So now you look at Oklahoma State. You kind of talked about this, controlling their own destiny. And I looked at it before the show because who really in college football, and we'll get into the top 10 in a little bit, has controls their path, can get in. Obviously, the undefeated teams can pretty much do what they want. Cincinnati, Georgia, Oklahoma. But the reason Oklahoma State I put right up there with them is because you look at their next you know, five, six games, it's that at Iowa State. Mm-hmm. That's their biggest test. By um, far. I, the, I could Oklahoma. see them being completely irrelevant a week from now if they lose that game. You mentioned how they're underdogs. Right. That says something. Iowa State is not ranked. They were going into the air. They were a top 10 program last year. So that is going to be a really tough environment for them. But then after that, Kansas, West Virginia, TCU, Texas Tech. And then November 27th, you have Oklahoma at home. Right. That is, we talked about this before the show, essentially a playoff game in my eyes. I believe both those schools will go into that game undefeated. If Oklahoma State wins that game, you absolutely, Tyler, put them into your playoffs. So you look at it from that perspective, there's a lot to feel good about about Oklahoma State. You just worry Spencer Saunders, not the most dynamic quarterback. Right. We just talked about it with Iowa, how their lack of dynamic quarterback play hurt them. Is that going to be where they fall, or is it, you know, I look at it like that, or is they going to get caught up in this shuffle here, this Big 12 shuffle, are they going to drop? One of those West Virginia-Iowa State games. I don't know where it goes wrong for Oklahoma State. Just knowing Mike Gundy and that you know that team, it usually does go wrong. But a lot to like now about the Cowboys. You know, I think the thing about you just mentioned Iowa, the dynamic quarterback play, that matters. But I think Spencer Sanders is significantly more talented than Spencer Petrus. Oh, um, he is. He, he's like, he can do stuff. He, like, he's not... Not gonna say useless, but he's not like a bad quarterback. He can throw the ball a little bit. He can run. He's a dynamic threat on the ground. And then the thing about this team, this <coughs> Oklahoma State team, that they need to do, as I mentioned earlier on the show, control the clock, run the ball, because that's their biggest strength right there. Jalen Warren, stud. Run the ball, run the ball, and run the ball more. Play defense, control the clock, 
forced turnovers. That's how they won the game against Texas. That's how they got to win all their big games from now on. And that way, I think they could make the playoff. But like, it's gonna be it's gonna take a little bit. But you know, I'm looking forward to November 27th. I mean, it's not gonna take a little bit. It's gonna take a lot. Yeah, you're gonna have to definitely. win six games. You're gonna have to win at Iowa State. You're gonna have to win at right. West Virginia. This week's gonna be fun. And then you're gonna have to upset Oklahoma. Right. Uh, oh, this week's gonna be a ton of fun. That might be the game of the week. It's a very poor slate. Right. In two weeks from now, I think we don't go another week without a perimeter top tier game. Right. It just doesn't. It's not going to happen uh, after this week. There's too many good teams. But this week is the last week with a week slate. Now, the other news we have to get to, shifting to the SEC here, one that I already talked about a little bit, it's Coach O. Less than two years after that Joe Burrow-led, Joe Brady led team he's out he's going to coach the remainder of the season at lsu but things ended very poorly for him a second highest paid coach in the country a 17 million dollar buyout so he certainly his pockets will be getting filled um you know there's a story just a few days before he got fired um or resigned i don't know what they're calling it he was on he was on his uh, weekly spot on LSU radio and someone a caller called in and was like, "Hey, uh could you say hi to my gr- girlfriend, wife or whatever?" And then he flipped and made a joke, "Now please don't hit on her." You know, there's a lot of stuff there. I think that's something we can't brush over. There's some allegations, some stuff he was doing with women he probably shouldn't have. I'm not going to be the one that tells Coach O what to do, everything like that, but from that side of stuff, from the outside football stuff, you know, that's speculation right now, but what we can talk about deeply is the football stuff. Um, you look at last year, it's a COVID year, you're coming off the national championship, LSU was horrible. They right. won the shoe game in the swamp, that was their only moment of the season where, you know, they lost to Mississippi State, they made KJ Costello, he threw six touchdowns, he was the Heisman favorite after one game because of how bad their defense played. Right. And then, you know, you, you take that year out because LSU, every year needs to be as good, they had the recruiting, they still had, I know they lost a lot of guys to the NFL draft from that undefeated championship team, but they had a lot of guys, they struggled. And I think this year was the litmus test year. You throw out last year for the COVID things. And this year, LSU football, again, a huge disappointment. The timing's weird, though, because they did just beat Florida again. But, uh, yeah, you look at it this year. They lost by 21 to Kentucky. They barely beat Mississippi State. They lost to Auburn. They lost to UCLA first game of the year. This was another very disappointing year for Coach O. I think, you know, the way the team was heading, the direction it was, it, it wasn't on the up. It was only going to go downhill from there, Tyler. I think you look at two years ago, I mean, that's as peak of a peak can get. But it did seem like it weirdly was time for Coach O to kind of leave LSU. Definitely. I mean, like, that 2019 team, first of all. The, the most, most fun I've ever had watching college. I football. agree. Fully agree. I think that's the best team I've ever seen in my lifetime. I wasn't. I was like an infant for that Miami 2001 team. But, you I mean, know. I wasn't, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was an infant. Like, I didn't get to see that. Like, this 2019 team was disgusting. They went 15 and 0, ran the table, dominated high like high level competition, <coughs> high level competition throughout. The thing is, I'm very yeah. First of all, I think we all are. I'm shocked Coach O got fired. First of all, like, he, well, I, I'm not shocked. It's just the timing. It's dis- and the way. It's disappointing to see it end the way it did. Right, hundred percent. It. I mean, he's not really even going on on his own terms. I mean, it's just like it's a weird situation at LSU. And like the as you said, the talents there. They have a ton of talent. They have um Keishon Bout, however you say his his name, he is a stud receiver. They got Derek Stingley Jr., who's the best corner in the nation. And there's the talent at LSU. It's not the matter of talent. You're getting you, And I think that's why it's such an issue that they're not winning. It's such a problem that they're not winning. They're like it's their quarterback plays fine, Max Johnson. He's doing this thing, twenty touchdowns to four interceptions. But 
I, like it's it's yeah, it's definitely an image thing with Coach O. I think he got a little too, his head got a little too big. You know, national championship winning coach. He's got that unique little voice, the goat tags. You know, that's a little that's a little. You know, he's gonna get his little local celebrity on. But his head got a little too big. Coach O did a couple of inappropriate stuff things, and you know, it's gonna happen. And do I think he gets another head coaching job? Absolutely. Pro- yeah. He's gonna get another head coaching job somewhere. Probably gonna get that Washington State job that um that just got uh is now vacant because of the anti vax head coach. Honestly, could happen. Any weird things have happened. But, you know, I just yeah, I don't really know where this this direction of this LSU football program is gonna go. This season's a lost season. They're about to get I'm going to say it ahead of time. Probably going to backfire, but they're going to get curb stomped back-to-back weeks by Ole Miss and Alabama. Actually, no, I take that back. Three weeks in a row because they're <laughs> going to play Arkansas on November 13th. So they're going to get brutally beaten three weeks in a row. Guarantee it. I'll take it a step further. They're going to lose four of the next five weeks with their only win coming against Louisiana Monroe. You look at the schedule here. Yeah. You know, It's a lot of gauntlets coming up. Sorry to cut you off there, mm-hmm. Tyler. But yeah, you're right. I just, it's, it's weird. You look at LSU – you wonder how much you attribute that special 2019 team to Joe Brady and the 100%. other coordinators because Joe Brady is going to get a head coaching job, whether it is in the NFL or college football. Right. That is a 100% certain. He did wonders for that team. You know, the offense was so fun to watch. They lost their defensive coordinator to their assistant. Dave Aranda, yep. Yes. So you look at that, how much, and you give credit to Coach O for getting those guys, how much effect did they have? And it's a shame because you talked about the Go Tigers, everything like that. I do yep. a horrible impression. I'm not going to try. <laughs> but, like, it looked like a perfect fit from that side. He always got the recruits. That was never the issue. It was right. just the last two years, the winning wasn't there. Last thing on that, Joe Burrow, I thought, you know, they asked him after the Bengals game. Side note, but the Bengals are kind of good this year. They're good. Uh, with Joe Burrow. He's awesome. Yeah, he's I, I love Joe Burrow. Great player. He was, you know, really disappointed in his old school. The relationship that they have is wire to wire. It's really special. He was the only one that really right. believed in Joe Burrow. Burrow talked about that. So it's clear that while there might be a disconnect now, people love Coach O. Right. And right. He's a, he's a local celebrity. The right. players loved him. The and, people love him. And we'll see what happens with this off-the-field stuff and how it shapes out, but Coach college football is better with Coach O in it. I 100%. think that's yeah. something you have to say. So we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, just really two years ago, sport changes so fast. Winning is the only cure for anything. Right. And, and you can only – and even having the best season of all time in your program's history can only go so long mm-hmm. if you're not keeping it up, which is why you look at the Bamas of the world, the Clemsons. It's so impressive the way they do year in and year out. Let's shift to Bama quickly. We'll run through some scores before we go over the new top ten and just what we're, it's sticking out to us. Bama coming off the Texas A&M loss. Give credit to Danny Scott because he said he said a lot of wrong things, but one of the right things he did say was that they're going to win by 40 versus Mississippi State. They did exactly that. He got it on the money, 49 Two nine, a nice bounce back for them. I think nobody expected that Texas A and M loss to derail their season whatsoever. So that was one that we saw. Georgia, you know, made their case yet again for why they should be the best team or why they are the best team, why they should stay number one ranked in college football. They, you know, just dismantled ranked eleventh Kentucky, thirty to thirteen, and this was never going to be a fair fight. And actually, give Kentucky credit, they covered this one. The spread I think was twenty one and a half. So you give credit to Kentucky for, I guess, quote-unquote, hanging in there versus Georgia. They dominated. Auburn with a little mini upset of Arkansas, 38-23. Look at Arkansas. Um, they had that brutal four-game stretch. I believe they went 1-3. They're only, you know, they had Ole Miss at the wire. 
They they fell apart versus Georgia. The only one that they won was Texas A&M, which looks better now because they obviously beat Bama. So the SEC, I think that's just a side note. It is like a eight-team juggernaut. Any team can beat any team after the top two, I believe. And frankly enough, one of those top two lost. Auburn now I jumps in the top 25. You also had Ole Miss. I know this is something you want to talk about a little bit. In Lane Kiffin's return to Tennessee, they win 31-26, won their in kind of. Tyler, your thoughts on that one? Uh, well, it was tr- as I would say, it was trashy. I mean, like literally, you saw trash being thrown on the field. Lane Kiffin is not very well uh, liked in Tennessee. Rocky Top does not like him very much. He uh went there for a year in 2008, coached at Nayland Stadium for a year, and then you know acted like he was going to be there for a long time, dipped off to USC. Classic, classic Lane Kiffin move. Great. Lane Kiffin's a character, but, you know, we expected that. That's Lane Kiffin in a nutshell. Dipped off to USC, left an extremely sour taste in Tennessee fans' mouth. Last Saturday was the first time he's been back at Tennessee as a head coach since the minute he quit that job. And, boy, did it live up to the hype. That was ugly. People were... Cursing him out, calling, threatening him, you know, classic, classic SEC football, throwing golf balls at him, you know, every every insult in the book was used, and that game lived up to the hype, to say the least, as I said. We got Ole Miss, a fantastic, fantastic team. Ole Miss is led by Ryan, your favorite guy in college football, yep. I think. Your Heisman favorite, and right now, rightfully so, a Matt Corral. Pick for that. Your preseason so. pick, and boy, was that a good pick. That was a fantastic you, pick. I'll give you all the credit on that one. Matt Corral. So we knew he could throw the ball through 21 to 38, two touchdowns, did throw a pick. But his legs came out to play. He looked like a little a little dual threat. He put up 195 rushing yards against um, Which I don't think ten- anyone saw coming. Exactly, against his Tennessee defense that is, you know, not that great. That, um, Tennessee, it was a close game, closer than I expected. I thought that Ole Miss would beat them by a little bit more than that, even though the spread was only Ole Miss minus one. I just think that this Ole Miss team is very, very good. Not playoff good, but, like, right around that edge. Like, I think, like, seven, eight, nine. They're a phenomenal team. So fun to watch. So fun to watch Matt Corral just picking apart defenses and with his arms and with his legs. So, yeah, it was an interesting game. The reception is exactly what we expected, and then some. I mean, I think it was. I mean, they got, Tennessee got fined two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Tennessee, yeah, Tennessee is gonna get brutally beaten up for that. Like they're gonna get yeah, so like, attacked. Uh, there's a certain level where like the rivalry's awesome. It was a little too far. Little too Definitely far. Definitely a little too far. But you know what? It was expected. And like you know? uh, yeah, and I and to their one point, I think every SEC school would probably react like that. They're just so crazed. Right. I they, don't think it's a Tennessee separate issue. It's a religion. It's college football's a religion in the South. Yeah. It's it's not a Tennessee issue. But you know what? We expected this. No, no love lost between Tennessee and Lane Kiffin, you know, that um, and Lane Kiffin did his little little press tour around during that week, showing off his, his old house where he used to like to stay, and you know, like Lane, he, he we knew he wasn't expecting a, a nice welcome back, right. but he was, yeah, no, it and was give ugly. credit to him though for obviously, obviously the head he coach, kept his composure, composure yeah, and, exactly, and leaving with a win, exactly, um, so just did a, his job, yeah. Just a few more minutes here on Gridiron. Nothing really stands out to us a ton this week. Um, you know, I'll go over some of the matchups. We already had actually number 14, Coastal Carolina, get upset yesterday to App State. And then going along here, you know, the only thing is, I guess, Oklahoma State, Iowa, we already talked about that. That's interesting. Um, you have Tennessee, Bama, you know, nothing a ton. I guess USC, Notre Dame, possibly. UCLA has an interesting game versus Oregon. Wondering quickly here, Tyler, do you have any thoughts on any of those games? 
So that says so I'm a fan of Pac-12. Pac-12 After Dark, best time of the year. Even, um, uh, even though this I'm game a bigger is, fan of Pac-12 After Dark than Pac-12 during the light. Oh, 100%. Easily. But unfortunately, this is during the light. This is 3.30 <laughs> p.m. Saturday, October 23rd. Oregon versus UCLA. I really like that UCLA offense, man. Like, they're fun to watch. They are very, very fun to watch. And this is a team, that, like, this Oregon, first of all, Oregon, ranked number 10. They are still underdogs in this game. They are road underdogs, one and a half points against this UCLA Bruins team that has an extremely, extremely atta- like strong running attack led by Zach Charbonnet. He's a stud. Zach Charbonnet is going to the NFL soon. He is an unbelievable talent. Just abs- He's a Michigan transfer. Absolutely dominating the Pac-12 in his first year over there in um in UCLA, and he looks like one of the best players in in the big uh, in the Pac-12. Zach Charbonnet, you got Britton Brown, you got D- um, Dorian Thompson Robinson, one of the more fun players to watch in college football. That's a very fun team to watch. This Oregon team, a little more slower paced, also ground and pound team led by Travis Dye, running back, and C.J. Verdell. Quarterback Anthony Brown, a little not not as talented, yeah, but I'm, you know, I'm wavering on him. I'm not very high on him as a passer, but he he you know he's he does his job. He Oregon good team, not the best team. I don't think they're a playoff team. They already lost to Stanford, so I think you know Pac-12 always gets kind of screwed in these discussions. But I don't think they're a playoff team, but they're a solid team. And in my opinion, they have the best player in the nation, Kayvon Thibodeau. Future, this upcoming year, number one overall pick. Yep. Kid is generational talent. But um, that's going to be a fun game. I think that, honestly, yeah, I think UCLA wins that game at home. Ooh. UCLA, Ooh. Ver- yeah, no. They, I mean, they're, 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 they're favorites. They're favorites, it's, but yeah. Not even an upset. They're favorites. I think it's going to be low-key a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be like something around uh, 38-34 um, okay. UCLA. I think Charbonnet like sta- has a standout game again, puts his name on the map. In the NFL draft boards, I think he's a super talented running back. Also, part Asian, so he's putting on for me and my people. <laughs> so I, lo- I gotta love him. Gotta right. love him. He's a talent. So yeah, I like UCLA at home. Love the pick. Love the scoring too. I just looked the line, the over mm-hmm. under. I know this isn't a gambling show, but right. it's sixty. Uh, that is a little too low. Yeah, my, for Pac-12, <laughs> a lot. In my unprofessional opinion, because I have no <laughs> professional experience in that. But last thing before we wrap up, we've been doing this the last few weeks. Every time I acknowledge, it's just a little too early for this. You look in the top 10. It's a major shakeup with the Iowa loss. Let's just go over this top 10. Maybe we throw top 12 in there because we've talked about these schools. What we're looking at, you have Georgia stays at 1. Cincinnati moves up to 2. Oklahoma, 3. I believe they were already 3, maybe 4. They were 4, excuse me, everyone. The top 3 bumped up 1. Then you have Bama at 4. Michigan at 5, which is very surprising, I would say. You know, not looking what they did this, like, before the year. I don't think anyone expected this from Michigan. Then you have Penn State. Um, or you have Ohio State in between uh, before Michigan. Then you have Michigan, Penn State, Oklahoma State, Michigan State, then Oregon, who you think is going to get upset. You know, that loss of Stanford made me out on them completely. Right. Um, I just think you get caught up in the Pac-12, you're not a playoff team. I think that's what separates the elite teams from the ones that, yes, you can beat in Ohio State, but if you can't do it consistently week in and week out, I'm out on you. Then you have Iowa at 11, Ole Miss at 12. So you look at that. I'm wondering what stands out. For me, it's Cincinnati at 2, Tyler. I don't think, you know, they can they can be the number one team. I had this conversation because they're going to win out. Yeah. They are going to win out, yes. guaranteed. Their schedule is nothing. They have SMU in a few weeks. They should handle that. If they can beat Notre Dame wherever, they can beat SMU. If they win out 
then you know you're going to be also looking at a Georgia Bama SEC championship right. game. Is there a scenario? And I'm thinking this in my head, and we don't have the answer, and we shouldn't really spend too much time on this. Is there a scenario where Cincinnati gets the number one? If Georgia's a one-loss uh, non-conference champ, Bama's a one-loss conference champ, Cincinnati is an undefeated conference champ. I wonder what the committee does. I would bet that it's Bama one, yeah. but it's fascinating to see. It's fascinating to even think about because we're talking about a non-power five in Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean non-power five. Yeah, but like much respect to Cincinnati. They're a very fun team to watch. I lo- I've always loved Desmond Ritter. Yes, I love his me game. Too. We we're both big Desmond Ritter guys. He's talented. I think he's NFL caliber quarterback. Him, he's super athletic. Just such a fun player to watch. Him. You got Jerome Ford, the running back, who's just dominating on the ground. He's at 705 rushing yards and 12 touchdowns through six games. Great player. That offense is high-powered. They 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 can put up points. They average 43.5 points per game. Their defense is pretty good. I mean, they've given up 82 points on the season. They're they're a good team. Like, let's not get this wrong. They are – I don't think they're frauds. I don't think they're like an Iowa or like a, you know, just like a one-off. Like, we're like, oh, they're ranked number two. But, like, let's be real. They were not going to end up number two at the end of the season. I think that the Cincinnati team ends up as number two for the rest of the season, but I think yes, even if they, even if Georgia loses, I don't think Iowa ends up as. I mean, yeah, I don't no, think I Cincinnati agree. ends up. I as think number it's interesting one. to talk about. It is hundred percent interesting. I think they can make some noise if it's if it listen, if it stands out like this, what they have with Georgia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Alabama. I think the Cincinnati team could shock Oklahoma. Really, I actually agree. I I really I really like Cincinnati. I really like what I, they I can think do. They're so un- they're so balanced. I think they'd be underdogs in that game, but I right. think it's interesting. Uh, last thing I'll ask you before we do wrap up, you know, looking past that because there definitely is room for one of these big ten schools to jump back in. I think there's a very real scenario Penn State could get into the playoff if they just handle their business mm-hmm. because they're going to play Michigan. They're going to play Michigan State. They're going to play Ohio State. Right. Then they're going to get a rematch at Iowa. So they have a shot, and that same thing goes for the Michigan States and the Michigans. So I'm wondering, out of those Big Ten schools, we'll go the three that will include Iowa, maybe we'll include uh, Ohio State for the sake of things. Which of those, because I think at the end of the day we're going to get one of them, unless they beat up on each other a ton. I'm wondering which of them you think will be the one to get in. Um. All right, let's go back i'm just like looking over the schedules i think ohio state ends up yeah the team i i think it's boring but it's boring it's boring i'm not gonna i'm not gonna pick michigan michigan because like listen i know michigan fantastic team but they never they don't beat ohio state i don't think this is the year they had their chance a couple years ago no no this is not their year i'm sorry they're a great team michigan state uh haven't watched enough of them honestly they're seven no i'm shocked they're a good team but like and like apparently they run the ball very well um Kenneth Walker the third stud, but like, I don't know. I don't. I, I think there's yeah. just a, a pe- little, a few games just, that are just, a little too close. Just, for me. just a little far away. Michigan obviously had a little scare against Nebraska. I think Ohio State. Yes, the, they have one loss, but that one loss is against a good Oregon team. Yeah, there's nothing to be ashamed about. And and here's the other thing. It, it will be so so in the past because it was like early. Right. September. It was literally week two or week yeah, three. Week two. Yeah. So like it'll be so in the past that I think that we will kind of forget about it. Right. Um, by the time the committee votes and everything like that. But a lot of interesting things to talk about. You know, we're going to be back next week. Some way bigger games next week. Michigan, Michigan State. Apologize that there is no maybe top tier game we could talk about. But that is going to wrap it up for College Gridiron. I'm Ryan Gregler with Tyler Who, a production of WFUV Sports.